Good morning. If you have your Bibles, open them to Ephesians chapter 5. I appreciate that. And if you don't have an outline, there's a message outline right out those center doors at the ministry counter right at that counter. You pick one of those up. We're in our series, I Didn't Know. And I hope you've enjoyed the series so far. I hope you've liked it. Uh, but this morning, I didn't know that marriage takes a lot of work. Maybe you're here today. Some of you are laughing. You know, maybe you think, what is he having a message on that? Everyone knows that, but maybe you don't. Uh, maybe you're planning and getting married, or, or maybe you can help someone else in their marriage. But there was a survey with a thousand counselors that was taken, and they asked him, why do most people come to see you? And the number one they said was 78% of them say they come to talk about their marriage, that their marriage is in trouble, their marriage needs some help. And one of the things that pastors gets to do is they get to perform weddings, get to do that. It's an it's a exciting time, a happy time. And it's always true of every wedding that I've ever done and everyone I've ever been to, that when people come, they're usually excited, they're usually happy. The bride and groom are extremely excited. And they're excited about the event, the ceremony, about the, uh, after they had the reception and all those kind of things. But that night when they leave, I have a picture in my mind that they take off in that make-believe chariot, don't they? And they take off and they ride off in the sunset to be what? Happy ever after, right? Isn't that the way it is with marriages? Everyone that's happy ever after. But they, they start out, they're so excited about their marriage. They're so excited of everything. And sometimes along the way, that chariot, a wheel gets kind of wobbly on it. And it's, the wheel is wobbly in that chariot. And they don't do anything about it. They think, well, our love will just push us through. So we just push through it. They don't pay attention to that chariot wheel. But sooner or later, that chariot wheel falls off. And it's hard for a horse to pull a, a chariot with the wheel gone, right? It's very hard to do that. So all of a sudden, the marriage becomes this thing that's it's pretty burdensome. It becomes hard and becomes difficult. So when most people first get married, they think that marriage is just going to happen because they're so happy and they love each other so much that everything's just going to work out. And you say, I didn't know that marriage was going to be so much work. And if I've been married any length of time, you know, you know that marriage takes work. So when two people get married, the wife, she brings in her bag full of junk, a bag full of, you know, a package, whatever she has, her baggage that comes in. I'm not talking about antiques. I'm talking about she brings her pride and, and her selfishness and all those kind of things into the marriage, all those issues she's dealt with. When the husband comes in, he brings his bag too. All those issues, all those struggles that he has, all those problems that maybe never been solved in his life. He brings all those inside the marriage, and maybe that anger and that selfishness and that pride, all those issues they bring inside that marriage. And so what happens is, is that these two flawed people come together. You have two imperfect people that are coming together, and so there's this tension constantly inside of a marriage because they always want their way. They always want their, their, their selfishness. They want their own way, want their own will to happen in the marriage. And we're all like that. And all of a sudden, one of the wheels come off in the chariot. Well, you don't get our way. And maybe the, when you first got married, you wanted your marriage to glorify God. You wanted people to sense the presence of God in your marriage. And you believed that it was going to be real easy. Why? Because you were both believers in Jesus. You both loved the Lord Jesus. You wanted the same things, and you always were on the same page. At least you thought you were, right, when you came to that. By, but sooner or later, you realize you both brought your own stuff, your own baggage. Each of you had that, and you brought that there. So there's tension inside the marriage. So what are you to do? Well, if you have your Bibles, hopefully you have an Ephesians 5, and if you have your outline, I want to give you two principles of marriage. And the first one is this. Submit your marriage to Christ. Submit your marriage to Christ. Jesus is always the answer, but in marriage especially, submit your marriage to Christ. At verse 21, we're going to read, actually is the closing verse of that section, but it's also the launching pad of what he wants to talk about in the remaining verses of that chapter. 
So let's begin reading verse 21. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word submit simply means to yield. Don't be afraid of that word. So many people, when they hear that word submit, they just cringe. Oh no, the pastor's going to talk about Ephesians 5, and he's going to use that word submit, and they just cringe when they hear that word. Submit is a military term that means to arrange your life under authority is what it means. And submit yourself to one another. And so that's a pretty broad term. And what that really means, what he's saying there in verse 21, it really means that, you, that uh, you're one of those that are submit. And I'm one of those that are submit. Husbands, you're one of those that are submit. And wives, you're one of those that are submit. We're all the submit ourselves under each other. Why do we submit to one another? Because it's fun? Because it's a good time to do that? No, it's hard. It's hard to submit under another person, isn't it? You find it's really burdensome. So why do we submit to one another? Why do we do that? Well, the Bible tells us we do it out of reverence for Christ. We do it for Jesus' sake. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. As a body of believers, I want you to submit one to another. That's Jesus' way. That you and I would all submit one to another is what he says. And notice we do it for Jesus. The word Christ, or the similar term, is used 12 times in these 13 verses. 12 times. Think about that. You kind of get the idea that Christ is going to be very important in the marriage. So let's read on. Verse 21, he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let me give you two basic points about this. Two basic points. And the first one is this. There are three people involved in every successful relationship. Do you realize that? Three people involved. In marriage, you have the husband, you have the wife, but then you have another. Verse 22 gives us. Verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. The third person in your marriage is the Lord Jesus. So you have three people, husband, wife, and Jesus. Ephesians 6, 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Not only in our marriage, but in our family, in our home. We have three people. We have Jesus is there also. There are three people that are involved in, in our relationship, especially in marriage. We need to understand that. And you say, is that really important? Listen, we have a built-in counselor in our marriage that's there to help us and guide us and to lead us in this Lord Jesus. And that's so valuable because sometimes I can't get my wife to agree with me, right? Sometimes she's not on the same page with me. So what do we do when we get to that point? What do we do when we don't agree with each other? When we come to an impasse, what do we do? I remember counseling a, a couple many, many years ago, and they came to me, and they had little children. They were young, and they came, and I wasn't real old that time. And they came to me, and they said, we're, our kids are getting ready to go to school, and one of us wants to send them to public school and wants to send them to private school. And we can't agree. And it was an impasse. I mean, it was such an impasse, they were ready to separate. So what are we to do in those times? Well, we have a built-in counselor, the Bible says. And Lord Jesus, we can't come to an agreement. We don't know what to do in this area. What's our next step of what we're to do in this situation that we're in? And God, show us what to do. And if we're honest and sincere, God will show us and guide us and lead us. And we come to God and we say, God, not my way. This is what I want to do, but I'm willing to surrender my way to submit to you and say, God, Jesus, what is your way forward in our marriage? What is your way and what you want us to do? So the first point, there are three people involved in every successful relationship, involved in every marriage, husband, wife, and Jesus. And Jesus is involved in all of our relationships, if you know Christ as your Savior. The second point to understand, it's really important, is every successful relationship, there is an order. There is an order. It has nothing to do with value. It has everything to do with order. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and 24, the apostle Paul writes, he says, wives, Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. 
And verse 24 says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit their husbands in everything. There's an order. It's God's order. It's not crossword's order. It's not my order. It's not your order. It's God's order. There's order in every relationship. Every relationship, there's order. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. There's order. There's order in family. That's the position. The children who take the position underneath the parents is what it's saying. There's order in every relationship. When you go to work at your boss, you go to work, there's order there that you have to come in and you have to submit under the authority of your boss at work, right? There's order in every relationship. We have to do that. And so there's got to be order. And so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you? That means I have to find out who I am. Find out who I am. Where do I fit in my relationship? Where do I fit in my marriage? Where do I fit in my church? Where do I fit in my job? Where do I fit? What's my position? What's the position that God has for me to fulfill in that role that I'm in? What is it? What does God have for me? See, if you get out of order, there's chaos. There's chaos. There's always chaos if it's out of order. And say, have you ever been to a home of a family where the children are leading? Have you ever been there? There's chaos inside the home. The children are leading. And some marriages are in chaos because they're out of order. There's order. They're not in the right order. And some churches, are, there's chaos because they got the order mixed up. They have the wrong people leading. And anytime we're out of order, there's chaos. So two, these are two very important points to remember and understand. So let me give you the second principle. Remember the first principle is what? Submit your marriage to Christ. The second one is very important. Live out your role in Christ. We're to live out your role in Christ. Paul makes this broad statement in verse 21. He says, submit to one another. Then he begins to narrow it down. And he's first going to talk to the wives, and then he's going to talk to the husbands. So he says to the wives in verse 22, wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. And then he gives them two divine directives, two divine directives. He says, wives, you're to yield or submit to your, what he means is your own husband, your own husband, not somebody else's husband. Make sure you understand that. To your own husband, not to somebody else's husband, because he's such a wonderful guy, right? Because he's so much joy to be around. You submit because of those reasons. Is that why you submit? No, the Bible says you submit to, to your husbands as to the Lord that you're going to trust God with your husband. You're going to trust him. And if your husband asks you to do something, remember, you're submitting to Christ first. And submitting to Christ is submit to your husband. And if your husband's going to ask you to do anything contrary to Christ, you don't do that. You've got to obey Christ first. We're to submit to our husbands and trust the Lord with them, right? And you do it for Jesus. That's his order for marriage. That's how he's prescribed it. His order, not mine, not yours, his order. You say, well, it's hard to submit. That's why before you get married, you're to count the cost. To realize there's a cost in marriage. And this is what it's going to cost. For a wife, you're to submit to your husband. And if you can't, you say, oh, I can't do that. Don't get married. But that's God's role for you to submit. And I'm going to talk more and more about that because sometimes people use this to take it out of, out of context. Remember, we're to submit to our husbands for Jesus' sake. And trust our husbands with Jesus, right? But we're to submit. And I know wives have been abused and wives have been hurt by this verse. And people have used this verse to abuse and hurt people. Listen, uh, you have to be careful with Scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, 12 tells us that. Scripture is sharp. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And sometimes people can use this and they'll hurt somebody and they take it out of context. And sometimes they can hurt somebody really bad. That's why we have to make sure we use the Word of God in, in, in right context. And I've counseled people that have taken this verse out of context. And I believe that if a husband ever looks at his wife and says, you're to submit to me because that's what the Bible says, 
you've taken this verse out of context. God never meant for you to weaponize this verse. It's never been used to weapon against your wife. Never was. Submission is always good. When God says submit, it's to be good. And I'm going to talk more about this. We're not done with that. Uh, but let's look at the second directive that God gives uh, to the women, to the wives. It's in verse 33. He says, however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. The wife must respect her husband. The second divine directive for the wife, he says, respect your husband. Uh, the wife's respect, she honors him. She values her husband, not somebody else's husband. Remember that. It's not somebody else's husband. It's your own husband. And I'm amazed at sometimes how I hear wives talk about their husband in, in public, how they degrade them and cut them down. Wives, you're to, you're to respect your husband. You're to see value in them and everything. I'm amazed that sometimes I hear wives talk to other wives about their husband. We should never talk bad about our spouse to other people. You realize that? If you're going to talk about your spouse, build them up. Build them up. Don't go to someone else and, and tear them down. Build them up. Now let's talk about the husbands. And I'm sure that's what the wives wanted, right? You want to hear about the husbands? In verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Husband's divine directive is this. He says, husband, love your wives. It's your wife and not somebody else's wife is what he's saying. You're to love your wife, nobody else's wife, your own wife. And this is interesting because this is the only divine directive given to the husband. It's just this one, to love your wives. And you read books and they will give you five steps to a successful marriage. And God gives just one here to men. He says, I want you to love your wives. And maybe you're here today saying, man, I've got that down because I really love my wife so past you can close, we can move on, but, but hold on. There's three verses that are devoted to the wife, and we have about six verses that are devoted to the husband. Why do you think that is? Because they're probably not listening to the first five, right? They're probably not listening. And so he says, husband, love your wives. And, and notice what it says. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's talking about sacrifice. God's love is a sacrificial love that Jesus sacrificed everything in order to meet your need. You realize that? In order to meet your need, he sacrificed everything. You say, what did he sacrifice? How about heaven? He left heaven to come to this earth. He sacrificed his name. He sacrificed his reputation to come here. He sacrificed everything, including the cross. He came in and went to the cross and died on the cross for your sins, for you that nothing would be able to separate him from meeting your need. You realize that? That's why he did it, to meet your need. It wasn't his need. It was your need. Then you needed a Savior, and Jesus came to do that for you. See, if any husband would love his wife the way Christ loved, his, loved the church, I don't think there'd be any woman to be afraid to submit to him. Because if he loved his wife as Christ loved the church and putting her needs before his very own in everything, Thinking of her, every choice he's going to make, every decision he's going to make, he's thinking of his wife and putting her needs before his very own. I don't think any of the ladies would have a problem submitting to that husband, right? And you say, well, I've got to submit. Well, husbands will do their part. It's a sacrificial love to put his wife's needs before his very own. And that's what it's talking about here. You put her needs before yourself. Think of her before you think of yourself and put her needs before you think of yourself and you sacrifice for her is what it's saying. It's a sacrificial love. It's also an unconditional love. Aren't you glad it's unconditional? There's one thing I will never hear God say, and if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you will hear God say this. It's like, Doug, I'm through with you. You'll never hear God say that. Doug, I'm through with you. I've had it. Because you don't obey me. 
because you don't read the word, because you don't serve me, because you don't pray enough, because you don't spend enough time with me. You will never hear say, God, I'm done with you. I'm going to withdraw my love for you. I've had it with you. I don't love you anymore. You will never hear God say those words because it's an unconditional love that God has for you. And God has willed to love you. Do you understand it? He has willed to love you. Not because we're lovable. God loves us and he's willed to love us. It's an unconditional love that he has for us. And that's the kind of love that we are to have for our wives and wives for their husbands, but especially husbands for their wives. An unconditional love is what he's talking about here. It's also a satisfying love. Look what it says in verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a sacrifice. It's a sacrificial love. Verse 26, he says, To make her holy, cleansing her by washing her with water through the word. That word holy can be translated sanctified, set apart, that, that you come to Christ and your marriage is set apart for Christ. It's set apart. He set you apart. Verse 26 says, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. He wants you to have a clean marriage, a marriage that is pure, a marriage that glorifies God. That's what he wants for you. And he goes on in verse 27, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Paul is talking about Jesus presenting the church to himself without stain or wrinkle, without any blemish. Holy and blameless is what he's saying. And he's satisfying to Jesus present the church holy and blameless. That's what he wants to do, is to be a satisfying love. Notice the next thing he says. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. Those first four words are really important. He says, in the same way that Christ was willing to sacrifice everything in order to meet your need and my need. He says, in the same way, husbands, you had to be willing to sacrifice. You are to be willing to sacrifice for your wife. So what husband, what is it that is keeping you from meeting the need of your wife? What is it that is keeping you to meet the needs of your wife? You say, well, I didn't know that before I got married, but now you do. So what is it that is keeping you meeting the need of your wife? What is it? Is it a hobby? The things you do or you don't do? So our love for a wife is to be a sacrificial love. It's to be an unconditional love that you st stood before the pastor, the crowd, and God, and you said your vows, and you said, I will love you, I will cherish you until death do us part. And what were you thinking? Maybe you're thinking, I, I will love you as long as you're sweet and kind to me. I will love you as long as you love me. I will love you as long as you stay the way you were when I married you. Or maybe you're thinking, I, I will love you as long as you agree with me. Or maybe you say, I will love you as long as you do what I say and you agree with me on everything. It should be an unconditional love you have for your wife. That's what he's talking about, an unconditional love that we have. And one of the things we do, if it's not an unconditional love, and things aren't going the way we think they should go, many times husbands, we're going to that baggage that she brought in, that big bag, that junk that she brought in, and we'll take out something of her past. Maybe it's selfishness or something with pride or something like that, and we'll take that and we'll throw it at her because we want to hurt her because we're upset with her. She's not doing the things that we want her to do, so we want to hurt her. And it hurts her. So what does she do? She goes over to the husband's bag of that things in the past, that junk, and she takes out something to hurt him and throws it at him and hurts him. And what we do, instead of us coming closer and closer together and closer and closer to our counselor, Jesus, we go further and further apart. And we have this unconditional love. 
where we love one another. We don't bring up the past. We don't have a list every time we're arguing. Oh, I've, I've added something else to the list. Next time we get into it, boy, I'm going to roll it out and I'm going to give it to you. No, we put away those things. It's to be an unconditional love, not the things of the past, not bringing up her baggage or his baggage. We're to leave it there. Lastly, he says it's a satisfying love. We're to have a satisfying love for our wife. Your wife should never have to go anyplace else to be satisfied. Do you realize that? No more than we should have to go outside of Christ to find satisfaction. And that's what he's talking about here. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. All we need is in Jesus. We should be satisfied in him. And men, there's one woman you should be satisfied in is your wife. No other woman is your wife. That's who. That's what he's saying here. Here's another basic principle that's really important. He says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. Notice that last line in that verse. It always grabs me how, how he words this. He who loves his wife loves himself. When I read this, I always look at this and it, well, it's backwards. That, that doesn't seem right. It seems like you should say, who loves himself loves his wife. Doesn't it seem like that's the way it should be? But it doesn't say that. It says, he who loves his wife loves himself. But he goes on and explains it in verse 29, 30, and 31. It helps us understand it. He says, after all, no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. He goes on in verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Before you got married, wives, wife, you were an individual. Before you got married, husband, you were an individual. But when you got married, all that changed. The Bible says now you are one. One body, one flesh. You are one individual. You come together and now you're one. You're not separate individuals. That you are one. And we all have physical bodies. And because we have physical bodies, we have many members. We have an arm and hands and legs and feet and a brain and so forth. So if I'm working and doing a project out in my backyard or making something, I have a hammer and a nail, and I take that hammer and I'm swinging, and I hit my thumb, I don't just look and say, oh, my thumb got hit, do I? Sooner or later, that message goes all the way up to my brain, and my brain is realizing it so much that maybe tears come to my eyes, that I hit my thumb and it hurts so much, and it's hurting so much that also my face turns red, and the pain's going up in my hand and my arm, and my, my, I'm shaking my hand, and I start walking around because it hurts, and maybe I go get ice. See, when I hit my thumb, it affects my whole body. And no matter what part of my body I hit, it affects my whole body. My whole body feels it. And that's the way it is for marriage. That's what he's saying about marriage. That whatever you do to your wife will affect you husband, is what he's saying. Because you are one body in Christ. You're one, is what he's saying. So if you love your wife, he says you love yourself. And if you hurt her, then you've hurt yourself. If you're angry, if you make her angry, then you're angry with yourself is what it's saying here because we are one body. Just like if I hit my elbow, my elbow just hurt, my whole body hurts, right? Everything hurts. In marriage, it's saying whatever you do affects the whole body. It affects both of you, whatever you do. It affects your wife and you. That's the basic principle in marriage. We have to understand that. It's a basic principle. Whatever we do to her, husbands, will affect you, whatever you do. So that's why some husbands are so miserable all the time because they made their wives miserable and they're miserable because of that. And if you look at your wife, why is she like that? It's probably because of you, husband, what you've done. 
And so, so the wife and husband, we have to live out your role in Christ. God has an order in your marriage, and we have to each live out our role in Christ. But he goes on in verse 32. He says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Now, a mystery in the Bible is a hidden truth that is not revealed. It's hidden. It's a mystery until God chooses to reveal it, right? He chooses to reveal it. The mystery is not we are one flesh. We found that out in Genesis chapter 2. That's what he's talking about here. The mystery is that we are one in Christ, is what he's trying to get across to them. And Christ is the head of this church. He's the head of the body. We are the body, so we are one body. But what they didn't understand in the Old Testament, they understood about the one flesh. What they didn't understand, that this was a picture of the church. And it's very important for us to understand this. That our marriage is to be a picture of Christ in the church. Do you realize that? So what kind of picture are you giving people with your marriage? What kind of picture are you showing with your marriage? It's supposed to represent Christ in the church. How much Jesus loves his church and the relationship it has. So what kind of picture are you showing? It goes on in verse 33 and he says, However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This whole marriage thing is to be a team effort. Do you realize that? It's not the husband lording over the wife, that picture that many have in their minds. It's not that at all. They come together as a team effort, each playing out their role, living out their role inside the marriage. That's what makes a healthy marriage. Working together and realizing there are three people that are on the team, not just two. There's the husband, there's the wife, and there's Jesus. They're right there in the thick of it, right there with you. He's our built-in counselor. Don't forget about him. He's the one who wants to counsel us. He's the one who wants to help us and guide us in our marriage and help us in our marriage to become what he intended it to be. He's the one that wants to, to give us the, the, the strength we need to get through the things and, and help to present us without stain, wrinkle, or blemish. Holy before God. Our marriage to glorify God. And maybe you're here and you have the perfect marriage. God bless you. God bless you. You say, my marriage is perfect. And I pray all of you have perfect marriages. But you're probably like most of us, we've not arrived in our marriage. None of us are perfect. And maybe you come here today and your marriage isn't so great. And you're on that proverbial chariot and somewhere along the while while you're going, the chariot's wheel came wobbly and maybe it's fallen off. And it's not real good right now. And, and it's been a drag ever since and, and it's been a problem and it's been hard and it's been difficult. You begin to wonder sometimes, why ever got in that chariot in the first place? Please listen to me this morning. It's very important. What you need to do is take all that baggage that you brought into your marriage, all that stuff, husband and wife, all that stuff that you brought in there, all those things that are keeping you be fulfilling your role in marriage, you need to lay it down before Jesus and submit it to him and say, Jesus, I, I give this to you. Well, I can't do this. You know, none of us can do what we're supposed to do in our marriage. None of us can live the life that we're supposed to live in this world, but we need Christ. We need to come and we need to submit to him and say, Jesus, I, I need you. I need your help, and help me to accomplish this. We have a built-in counselor, and he wants to help us. He wants to help us to give us the strength, and he's waiting to help you. He's waiting to put that wheel back on the chariot or fix that wobbly wheel wherever you're at in your marriage. And he says, I want to make your marriage what I intended it to be, to represent to be a picture of Christ and the church. That's what he wants for your marriage. So this morning, that starting point is we come and we submit our marriages to Jesus. We submit our role to Jesus. And not only that, if you're not married, you can come and submit and say, God, what am I, what's in my way of being the person you've called me to be at my job or in relationships with my children or whoever ever relationship 
What is it keeping me from fulfilling the role that you have, my position that I have? What is keeping me? What is in my bag, that baggage, that, that suitcase that I've been holding on to that's keeping me for, for performing the role that you have for me, my position in Christ? Fulfill what you have. What is it that's hindering me, holding me back, that we come this morning and we surrender it and say, Jesus, it's all yours. And I give it to you this morning. Just like you committed your soul to Jesus at salvation, you came and accepted him. Today, I'm going to commit myself to him. Today, I'm going to commit my marriage as husband and wife. I'm going to commit myself that I might be the person you intended me to be. They say, here it is. I'm going to give it to you, Jesus. Guide us and lead us and direct us. Not my will, but your will be done. And we give him all that baggage of the past, all those things that are in a way for me fulfilling what God intended me to be. My role in Christ. And the only way I'm going to do that, I have to submit it to Christ. I have to surrender it to him. So let's this morning, not only people, husbands and wives, but all of us, let's surrender whatever it is in the way of us, becoming the person that God intended us to be, fulfilling our role that he has for us in this life, wherever you are today. Let's surrender it to him. Let's dump all that baggage and all that stuff right before him. Let's give it to Jesus, amen? Let's pray. Lord, you come and we praise you. We praise you, God, because you're a wonderful and amazing God. That, God, we look at you and in all your perfection, in all your holiness, in all your righteousness. And, Lord, it doesn't take long. We take a glimpse of you and we realize we're not like that. We're not perfect. We're not completely holy. We're not completely righteous. And so, Lord, we come and we submit our hearts and minds to you. Lord, I pray that each person here, if they don't know you as Savior, they come to understand that... uh, Jesus, you came and died on the cross for their sins, and they might put their faith and trust in you this morning and accept you as Savior. I pray that all of us that are here, that we realize, Lord, we need you. We desperately need you. And no matter where we are in our life, in our our marriage, that we realize we have to submit our marriage to Christ. But Lord, all of us have to submit our lives to you in order to live the life that you've called us, because the life you called us to live is bigger than us. We can't do this without you. So, Lord, we ask that we submit our lives to you. But, Lord, and we, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to live out the role you called us to live. And if it's submission, Lord, we realize it, it's your order. It's not about value. That d- doesn't diminish us. Christ submitted to, to you, Father. He submitted to you. And he found no problem in doing that. That we would realize, Lord, we're all to submit to one another. We're all submitting to someone. So, Lord, help us to live out our role and help us to be proud of the role you've called us. Because, Lord, when we have order in our marriage, we have order in our relationships, everything works out so much better. And so, Lord, help us to kind of live out our role. Help us to be the people you've called us to be in every area of our life. Help us to submit and surrender the baggage and all those things that are hindering us from becoming the person that you called us to be. That's becoming the husband that you intended us to be to our wives or the wives to their husband, or us to our children, or to our parents, or to our workplace, that I might be the employee that God wants me to be. And whatever relationship it might be, God, that we surrender to you and live out the role you've called us in. So, Lord, we're here for, here for you and asking you to work in each one of our lives. We're all at different places in our lives. And so, Lord, we surrender to you and ask, Lord, show us the way. Lead and guide us. Help us to follow you, no matter how difficult it might be, that it's not our way, but your way be done in our lives. And Lord, that's what we pray. That's what we want. So Lord, we ask all these things in that wonderful, amazing name, in the name of Jesus. 
Amen.